Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. All right, we are full-time fantasy. Dr. Roto, along with Adam Ronas. So let's get started, Ronas. <laughs> I I, I'm, I'm off my game. I would say this is Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get out the copay. But I feel like I, I, we've, missed, we've missed a lot already for people. Yeah, but we are here. That's the most important part. That is true. It is the most important part. And there are games going on right now. Uh, do you find that Thursday's, Thursday's games, do you like the fact that there are a lot of day games? Or do you, like the, do you prefer the night games? Because it seems like maybe it's the getaway day and that's why they do it. But you got to pay attention on Thursdays because there's games going on right now. Yeah, I love day baseball, uh, you know, because we still get baseball at night. So the fact that I can watch baseball most of the day is really good. And especially with the Mets playing an early game, because now I can focus on the NBA tonight. Unfortunately, there's only one game in the NBA tonight. But, uh, you know, Toronto, Philly, game three, it's 1-1. And uh, it's a tight. uh, The last I've seen, Toronto is favored by one and a half. So on the road. So it should be a tightly contested game. So. I'm actually happy about that today is that there's only two baseball games tonight so I can focus on the NBA and uh, everything will be done early tonight too so that's a good opportunity to you know watch movies watch a series which you know you kind I don't get to do during the baseball season if there's a baseball game on I'm pretty much watching it you know so the Giants are playing the Dodgers at 1 a.m. you're watching it yeah man definitely man you know every little thing helps uh, you, you can always pick up things and especially on the west coast with uh, closer situations as well. You know, I like to watch the closers. You know, I watched Jose Leclerc's inning the other night, and I didn't think, look, it wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. Like, there was a play to lead off the inning. It was a hard-hit ball. It was a line drive at Nomar Mazara, and he was drifting back, and he stuck his glove up, and it went off his glove. I think it should have been caught. I would have scored it in error. It was scored a hit, and obviously it opened the floodgates, and Leclerc was removed from the closer role, but... You know, a lot of times people will just say, oh, this guy sucked or this inning. And sometimes you watch it and you see things where, okay, that ball wasn't hit hard. That should have been a play that was made. So, yeah, I I do watch a lot of the West Coast baseball. I was watching Dodgers-Giants last night as the uh, Giants won it on a walk-off. And uh, so, yeah, I I don't mind the day baseball. I know some people don't like it. Uh, I don't play DFS in the afternoon. Usually, like, today's too early, like 12 o'clock. Like, come on, I'm not up at yeah. 8 a.m. You're just waking up at that point. But uh, I'm a little upset, though, Ronas. I am, because I had the Padres stack last night, which did absolutely nothing. But today, the bats have come out. It's 11-2 in the bottom of the sixth inning. Mike Fulton-Nevich, four and two-thirds, let up six runs, only two earned. I know you weren't loving him before the season. You might be right here. Yeah, and I know the injury played a part. But, I mean, I couldn't believe he was going in the fourth, fifth rounds of drafts before the injury because... I just think last year was an outlier year, and he's a guy that I've always had on my team. Like, last year was the first year that he was not on any of my teams. I said, I just, I don't see it. And it's not bitter because he had a big year not on my team. I just didn't think he was worth that draft price at all. 
uh, because I think he's more of a, you know, he had a two eight five ERA. Would I have been surprised if he had a three and a half ERA this year? No. Uh, but, you know, you wonder how healthy he is at this point. Did he rush it back? Uh, but, yeah, I thought he was overvalued even before the injury. And then you got a little bit of a discount on him. And the velocity is down a little bit. He was throwing, you know, 96 last year. And so far he's been around 94, close to 95. So it's slightly down. Matt Strom, six innings, two earned runs, six strikeouts. I like Matt Strom, but my problem with him is his consistency. I never know what I'm getting with Matt Strom. I, I, I don't like starting him in DFS for that reason. In seasonal, it's tough because sometimes he's really good, and then sometimes he implodes. Uh, I like him a lot. He was definitely someone that I targeted late in a lot of drafts. I have him in Tout Wars. I actually have not been able to start him in Tout Wars just because my pitching has actually been very good, which is odd this year. My pitching has carried me. My offense is struggling in a big way. So I don't think I had Strom in the lineup this week. I did have him in a, in a daily league where I did start him. He's actually been pretty good. I mean, the only issue with him is going deep into games. But this is uh, now uh, three consecutive starts of at least six innings. So I think it's because he's building the pitch count. You have to remember he pitched primarily out of the bullpen last year. And, you know, his first start this year, he sucked two and two-thirds, five runs. And then since then, five innings, five innings, eight hit, eight innings, six innings, six innings today. He's allowed two earned runs or fewer in all of those starts outside of opening day. Uh, and did he walk anyone today? So he, far, no walks. This is four straight starts with no walks. I mean, that is unbelievable. You don't see that from pitchers anymore. So... Over the course of the season, what you're worried about, Strom, is innings. But we can say that about a lot. And this is something you're going to have to do with fantasy baseball now if you're in a trading league. You kind of have to figure out, all right, what am I going to do here? We know Chris Paddock, uh, uh, Strom, a lot of these guys. Uh, Mike Soroka, who I wrote about today in the Stockwatch. You can check it out on fulltimefantasy.com. you got to figure out, all right, what do I do with these guys? Because everyone realizes they're going to have innings limits. Do you want to just say, hey, I'm going to ride it out. These guys are good, and I'll take 120 innings? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to trade now and get what I can? Uh, with a lot of these guys, I, I want to ride it out if I can. And we all know that we're going to be hit with injuries, and you just try to figure it out at the time. Obviously, in a head-to-head -head league where you're looking at the playoffs, it's a little bit difficult, and maybe you want to cash in. But, uh, wow, Jesse Winker is going nuts right now on the home plate umpire. Oh, my God, and he just got ejected. Was wow. it a good? Uh, was it? A I didn't see. Uh, it's a. It's a 0 two count, and he's complaining about the strike zone going nuts. And I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but Jesse Winker has become a little bit of a, uh, a thorn in the side of Mets fans. So he made a play to end the game, a sliding catch, and he was waving bye bye to everyone. So mm, he was messing with the fans yesterday, and uh, he's been booed heavily. He struck out earlier in the game, and they waving bye bye to him. And now everyone's standing up, waving bye bye to him as he was ejected. But I got to say this. I like it. I think this is what baseball needs, man. Have some fun. That's been one of the criticisms. I know Tim Anderson has been vocal about it. I don't mind it. I'm a Mets fan, and he was taunting my, my fans, and I could have been in the stands. It could have been me. He was having fun. They won the game. He made a great play. I have no problem with it. I think we need a little bit more of that in baseball. Well, baseball really isn't like that. You know, right? They don't really do that. It's, I mean, and when you do it, you show a guy up and they throw at you the next day. So, I mean, we see that in basketball, uh, football, they stop that a little bit, you know, in the end zone, you know, a lot of the antics. I, 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 I'm with you. I like it if it's done in tasteful matter. Yes, a tasteful matter. Yes. Like, and I think what he did, there was nothing wrong with it. He was just having fun. They won the game. 
And that pitch, look, it was on the corner. I don't know if he was arguing because it was high, but uh, they're showing the replay of it now. And, yeah, oh, boy, it was outside. <laughs> it was outside. That was not a strike. So I cannot blame him for going nuts. That, that was definitely a ball. Well, Noah Syndergaard, eight innings, three hits, no runs, eight strikeouts. Tyler make, Molly. F- make that nine strikeouts, eight and a third. So 97 third. pitches. Yeah, and yeah, that's pretty it, economical, dude. That's economical. The Mets needed a complete game. If they ever needed one, it was today. Edwin Diaz, Seth Lugo were likely unavailable. Familiar's on the injury list. They've had major bullpen problems. This is the definition of an ace. You needed this performance from Syndergaard today. He's been terrible this year, although... A lot of it has been bad luck. Another guy I wrote about today in the stock watch, so you could check it out. I had said to buy low. You might not be able to after this performance as he just got the second me, out of the inning. So, Adam, let me, let me ask you a question. In, in Tout Wars, we get minus five points for a loss, including relievers. Is that normal in points leagues? Uh, see, or is that heavy? I, I think it's a little heavy. What is wins? Ten? No, five. They're both oh, minus no. five. No, 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 it's brutal. No, 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 you can't do that. You got to either make wins more, wins seven or eight, if a loss is going to be five, or if wins are going to be five, a loss should be three. I mean, I went. You can't be the a lot of, I got a lot of closers because on, because uh, starting pitchers were devalued, and what, so I get closers. But if it, Diaz gets a loss, he kills me. He literally kills me. It's like minus five, and whatever the earned runs is, he could cost me ten. I could be minus ten from a closer in one inning. Yeah, it's not right. I mean, he made one bad pitch. I mean, he's been pretty dominant. You know, he has allowed three home runs this year after only allowing five last year. But, yeah, that scoring system is out of whack. And, uh, you know, the systems vary, but that is just kind of a deviation from everything that I've seen. And I think it was an overreaction to last year. I'm not in the league, but you discussed it and you brought it up. I just think it was an overreaction to the scoring system last year. I, I you know what? I, 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 can't, I don't think I two points leagues anymore. I think I'll talk to you more about it in the last segment, but I don't think I can do it anymore. All right, but I will talk about fantasy football with Jason Kahn, an outstanding player, when full time fantasy returns right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 
All right, we're back. We are full-time fantasy. I'm Dr. Roto, along with Adam Ronis. And it's our pleasure to have with us Jason Kahn, a very great high-stakes fantasy football player who took part in our very first draft-and-go best ball tournament uh, league the other night. Jason, how are you? Hey, pretty good. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. Glad to have you on. So let's get to your team. Let's get to the draft. Before we get to your team, let's just ask a simple question. Why draft now? Why, why be doing stuff in May? Why not wait till June or July or digest it more? Why May? Personally, I just like the idea of getting used to seeing where these guys are going. Even if you kind of botch a couple picks here and there, you just start getting used to seeing the names and maybe someone who wasn't on your radar, all of a sudden you see someone took them in the eighth and, you, you know, you might do a little research on them and look into it and be like, yeah, that's someone I want to keep my eye on. So uh, it's practice and practice makes best, right? Perfect. How prepared do you think you were for this? Did you kind of do any preparation? You have your own rankings, or did you just say, you know what, I'm just going to do this off the top of my head and, and wing it? I joined late and just kind of winged it. I tried to do, wanted to do something a little different. Um, I think it might have backfired a little bit because I was chasing running backs and wide receivers the rest of the draft. But yeah, I mean, I, I do a bunch. I'm doing a bunch of dynasty right now, so maybe I had some dynasty on the brain. But you know, I think it was, it was, it was fun to get one out of the way. Well, Dynasty on the Brain is never a bad thing. Let's start with your number one pick, Saquon Barkley. Look, nothing not to like about Saquon the player, but the Giants as a team, I question whether or not the offensive line is that good, whether the passing game is that good, and maybe he'll see some eight-man fronts. Did that dissuade you in any way, shape, or form in taking him? No, this, you know, this is the first team. I probably drafted 30 to 35 teams from last year to, to like this year so far. This is the first share of Barkley I've ever had the shot at getting. So, I didn't have him ranked high enough last year to take him. I liked other people late in the first, it's, you know, mid to late first, and I just haven't had the first round pick yet, or first uh, overall pick. So I kind of, it was a no brainer for me. But uh, yeah, that is a bit of a concern. But he was so special last year with an equally bad team. Uh, I, I think he can do a lot on his own. Did you consider anyone else with that pick outside of Saquon Barkley? Uh, I. I'm, I like Saquon, number one, and then I flip-flop Zeke and, and C-Mac at number two. Um, I like C-Mac a lot. Uh, he, he totally roided up and bulked up this offseason. He's even bigger. I don't know if that'll hurt some of his uh, elusiveness. But, yeah, C-Mac is someone I definitely have my eye on. I don't know about number one overall right now, but he could definitely move that way up there if what you say about the Giants kind of starts looking like it may be true. All right, this is a best ball. So uh, in a best ball league, how many tight ends, how many defenses, how many kickers do you like to put on your team? Uh, I, a, a lot of times, just because it's so early and you you got to brace for injuries this early, you, I, I think you like to have at least three at every position. Um, but when I went uh, with my team, I don't know if you've looked at it, but I went tight end at uh, two, three turn after taking Barkley. And my thought process was I could put the t- tight end position to bed uh, and never look back on it. You know, I should get tight end, top three tight end production every week. And there's a lot of times I should be getting like wide, wide receiver one and two production out of the other guy on the off weeks. So that was my thought process going into taking those two tight ends. But, you know, typically I like to have like three of those guys just so in case someone gets hurt. You're not eating a, a, a zero during a bye week or something like that. We're going to see those three top tight ends, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, all go earlier than we have seen in past just because they really stand out above the pack. Do you feel that in a lot of your drafts this year, you're going to make it a focus to get at least one of them in the first two to three rounds? Do you think, based on what you've seen so far, that it's going to be key to do that this year? 
I, I think it's a way to go. I don't know that I'll really do it. Like you start to get to the main events. I don't know that I have the balls to do that. I usually just stick with the money backs and wide receivers and punch on the the positions. But, uh, I mean, the tight is just All right, so we'll get, uh, we'll get him back there in a second. I don't know whether I agree with what he did, Adam. I, I don't know whether I would have taken two tight ends. I have no problem taking one. But when I can get Amari Cooper, if I can get Keenan Allen, if I can get Stephon Diggs, if I can get A.J. Green, if I can get a number one receiver, I'd absolutely want to do that. I think so, too. I think in a best ball, though, it makes more sense. You know, obviously, in a redraft league, you can go to the waiver wire. And uh, but there's probably not a lot of times we've seen a lot of tight ends hit uh, off the waiver wire, it's just been a, a bad position. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to the waiver wire each week and just kept not hitting on tight ends if they didn't get a top one. But I could see in this format, uh, being a best ball, it like makes a little bit more sense. But I don't think I could do it either. I just it's just not in my DNA to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I get it. I just think that when you get, and I'm going to use the word cutesy, when you get cutesy, you make mistakes. And look, it's not that I don't like Kittle. It's not like I don't like Ertz. I think they're fantastic players. But I think, like, one is amazing. Two, it's, it's, there's not riches. I think all of a sudden, now I look at his receivers, and I see Ridley, Fuller, and Tate, and I say to myself, I really wish we had a number one guy. Right, like those guys are all capable of blowing up in a given week, but as far as consistency, they're not going to give you what a Cooper, Allen, Diggs can give you. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, Ertz and Kittle, Kittle are pretty much excellent every week, and you know, uh, if you do have that extra flex spot as well, uh, it certainly can nullify a little bit of what you get from the receivers. Right. All right, Jason's back with us. Jason, we're just talking badly about you without you behind your back. Just don't. Oh, no problem. Okay. <laughs> so what I had said was was that I, I like the two tight ends, but I would have taken a, a true number one receiver there. I think when I have a chance for Cooper, Allen, or Diggs, I may have done one of the tight ends with one of those receivers. Yeah, the, the smart play was Keenan Allen for me. Like that's if that's what I would have done. If this was a, a higher stakes, I probably would have done that. It was early. I tried to do some little cute. I didn't think I would get that behind on running back and wide receiver and I, I really was chasing at that point but uh yeah Keenan would have been the, the way I would have gone but I do you, like the idea of getting one of those guys especially in a best ball you took uh Geis there as your RB2 and I think everyone was excited for him last year and then unfortunately he got hurt you know well we don't know how he's going to look coming back uh what are your expectations for him this year well, everything I'm reading is uh, he's ahead of schedule as far as his, his rehab, so they expect him back before camp. Um, so I, I like that. Uh, the re-signing of Adrian Peterson, you know, makes you feel a little less, and then the drafting of Bryce Love uh, also makes you a little less optimistic. But I expect big things from guys. Though he's, I mean, I think he's the most talented, uh, you know, running back on the roster. You know, and I believe he's a three-down back. So um, I, I think he's he could produce big out of that. The fourth round, I, I, I like him a lot. Him and Devontae Freeman, I can't seem to get away from in the fourth round in the drafts I've done early. We're talking to Jason Kahn, a very accomplished, high-stakes fantasy football player. You took Deshaun Watson in round seven. You followed up with Matthew Stafford in round 12 and Eli Manning in round 14. I love me some Watson, but aren't you, aren't you a little worried about Stafford and Eli? Yeah, I mean, I think in a best ball, you know, you're really just looking to fill in the, uh, the gaps. I think, I think Watson... 
has that high upside. You know, he's got the 40-point, you know, potential, every, you know, not to have it every week, but he's going to get you some 40-point monsters, and you just need some people that maybe can get you the, the solid 20s. Uh, I didn't love Eli, but I, I feel like with the drafting of uh, Daniel Jones, uh, they're going to put him on the shelf for a year. So uh, I'm not worried about Eli losing his job this year. So, um, you know, definitely not the best quarterbacks as far as uh, quarterback two and three, but they, they, were, they were starting to fly, and I was still chasing running backs and wide receivers at that point. You know, Calvin Ridley had 10 touchdowns last year, but only 64 receptions. So there were some big games and some games where he was quiet. Do you think he plays better in this format, or do you think even in a redraft league he improves in year two? I, I think he improves a little bit. I don't know that he'll improve on the touchdown total. Ten's a lot of touchdowns for a, a wide receiver, too. But what I, my strategy after I w- uh, was looking at wide receivers and uh, was – to get the, the boom-bust guys, so get the guys that can take it to the house and have, are going to have a couple monster games. And then I tried to take guys that were possession guys that would get me, you know, work on volume and, you know, get eight, eight or nine catches and, and do it that way. I thought that was a nice blend when I didn't have true wide, wide receiver one, wide receiver two talent on the, uh, after going tight end, tight end. When you take a look at these drafts, is there something that if you – I don't know how many that you'll do, Jason. Do you have different strategies that you try to do with each one? Like this one, maybe I'll take two running backs and wait on receivers. And if you do another one, you'll go receiver early. Do you try to play around with it, or do you have one specific strategy that you employ? Yeah, I, I try to get different looks. If I find myself going too hard on one player, I'll pull back, even if I like them slightly better than the, peop- the person I end up taking, just to get a little diversity uh, on my teams. Will Fuller, we know he can really come through with some big games, and you also have Watson to pair with him. Uh, what is the ceiling for Will Fuller this year? If healthy, um, I mean, Deshaun Watson loves him. I, I believe they're roommates. I don't know if they're still roommates, but I know they were roommates at one point, I think. And they're just boys. They hang out together. So I know Deshaun is going to feed him the ball. So uh, I don't know if he's going to have as many, like, uh, two touchdown games as he had last year. But uh, I, I look for him to take a step forward if he can stay healthy. All right, let's talk about Ronald Jones. This guy's got a lot of talent, but and he's got a new coach in Bruce Arians. Do you think Bruce Arians gives him a shot to win this job? And if so, do you think he can run away with it? I think he can. Uh, it was a little disappointing last year when he couldn't beat out uh, Peyton Barber for that job. Um, during this draft, I was hoping to get Peyton Barber, so I at least would know that I would have the starting running back in Tampa Bay. But uh, I, mean, I, think the, I think the youth is on, uh, on, on Jones' side, the fact that they, they have draft capital invested in them, uh, maybe not Arians per se, but the team did. Uh, so I think all things being equal, the team would prefer him to, to win that job. And if you do, uh, that's, that's, it has the potential to be a pretty nice landing spot with, with Arians and Arians' offense. We saw LaShawn McCoy fall in drafts last year, or last year, and now obviously he's fallen a lot further, just 3.2 yards per carry last year. The volume wasn't there. It is a crowded backfield. McCoy is, you know, 30 now. Uh, what, what do you see from him? Is this just the play where you said, hey, he's uh, probably the lead back in this offense. It's round nine. I'm going to take a shot. Or is he getting undervalued? Uh, I, I mean, it seems like him any, in like ninth and after is his value. I don't love him this year, but it was a situation where I needed a starting running back. I thought he was a starting running back. I felt comfortable that his hand, any, you know, a couple of his handcuffs would be there much later, and I could grab them. So I'd have a couple shots of ensuring that I get some run, uh, running back production uh, in this best ball format. All right, Jason. Not to pick on you, but I'm going to go back to your uh, Peyton Barber comment. 
In round 15, you passed up Barber to take Deshaun Hamilton from Denver. Now, I think Hamilton has upside. But if I drafted Ronald Jones, why not secure Barber there at that point? Why risk it? Or did you think you weren't risking it? You just didn't think Barber was going to go? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought Barber would last a couple more rounds. Um, you know, I, I would, in hindsight, I'd rather have Peyton Barber and the, the, the security of having an, a, a running, starting running back rather than Deshaun Hamilton. Um, but, yeah, you, t- you take some swings and, uh, you know, try to get someone to fall back to you, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You did take Frank Gore, already having McCoy. Uh, is Frank Gore going to play until he's 50? <laughs> You have to wonder. <laughs> you, every year, you, for the past eight years, you thought this was the year the wheels fall off, and they just haven't. Uh, the, the dude's amazing. He's the Energizer Bunny. When you look at the end of a best ball draft, what I see you have Bryce Love, J.C. Arcega-Whiteside, Hunter Renfro. Are there particular kind of players that you look for at the end of a draft? I try to sprinkle in some guys, or maybe some high upside guys, or, or people that are undervalued just because they just got drafted, whether they're rookies. You know, I think Renfro, you know, could be the possession guy in Oakland. Uh, I think I think the front office of Oakland is going to try really hard to make themselves look good with the guys they drafted. So I think Jacobs is going to be featured. I think Renfro is going to see the ball out. They obviously traded for AB, traded for Tyrell Williams. So I I think they're really going to try to make themselves look look good by getting these guys the ball. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I look for at the you know end of the draft. Like some guys that you know have some upside. I mean, they're you know I think I took ten wide receivers, so there's you know three or four of them that I'm just trying to hit trying to hit a home run with and cross my fingers. Was there a pick that you was you were sniped on that really pissed you off? Um, I think if Mixon would have been there uh, in the second round, I think I would have taken him over Kittle, and I would have just saved myself from doing that tight end, that double tight end that I think cost me. Um, and then if I don't go to the first tight end, I might even have gone just Keenan at that point and not even been on my mind to, to try something crazy like that. So you don't like what happened going the double tight end? I know you were kind of experimenting, but when you look at it and evaluate the team, you feel like it's something that didn't go right for you? Yeah, I, I think I... I think the way the draft fell, it just it did not go right for me. When you look at other people's drafts, what do you think makes an? When you look at a team in general, like you're looking at other people, like what do you look at? People who have like multiple receivers, like what what strategies win in the FFWC mostly to you? Yeah, I, well, I guess it's twofold. I think your be, the the best teams, the teams that end up winning, I think are, are the ones that maybe aren't necessarily balanced. Maybe they go heavy on one position group and then somehow find value at the, at the position that they avoid, avoided. And I'm just talking running backs and wide receivers there. But I, I think the best thing to do is just to be balanced. If you come out of your first four rounds with two wide receivers, two running backs, and then just look to see where the value takes you, I think you're, you have the best chance of winning your league. You may be not the best chance probably of, of winning overall, but I think that's the smart thing to do. But if you're doing multiple teams, you obviously can do some things that are that are, that are different and off the cuff. But who's a pl- who's a player or two that you felt either went way too high from what you were expecting or way too low? I thought Gurley with the fourth pick of the second round is, is really really crazy. Uh, I know he's got the arthritis thing and didn't play well towards the end of the year, um, but early second round to get Gurley is is crazy to me. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on Nick Chubb this year with Kareem Hunt coming back in the second half of the season? If Chubb had miraculously made it to you in, in round two, would you have taken him? 
Yeah, I've, I've uh, I t- uh, there's a dynasty team, but I, I took Chubb at two, uh, the first pick of the second round uh, on a team. So, yeah, I, I'm really high on Chubb. I think Kareem Hunt's going to be eased back in. I think the Browns really uh, just got him on the cheap. I think if he comes back, does the right, all the right things, I think he'll just be, you know, get a portion of the carries, and I think the Browns will look to move him. I don't, I don't foresee Hunt stick around in Cleveland. We saw only one team in this draft, well, two teams in this draft, or three, actually, start with two wide receivers in the first two rounds. Is that something you would do? Is it important to get a three-down running back, especially in a best ball where you can't hit the waiver wire? Yeah, I've been finding myself to go kind of running back heavy this year so far. But I think if you're in the back end of the draft, I don't have a problem with going like Mike Thomas and Juju and then taking a – you know, a Sony Michelle, a Fournette, a Freeman, a Geis in rounds three and four to balance it out. I mean, I, I'm perfectly happy with that team. Is Calvin Ridley the next great receiver in the NFL? I, I, I think, yeah. I think, he, I think he's got top, top five potential. Uh, he, I mean, he, he showed in flashes last year. He was unguardable at times. You knew it was coming, and they still couldn't stop him. Um, you know, I mean, at some point, Julio's got to move on, you know, maybe two, three years from now. I, I think Ridley's just going to continue to get better and better and eventually be the wide receiver one there. Um, so I think in a dynasty, he's someone that's, that's really nice to get, you know, like the fifth round. Did you push up quarterback because it's a best ball league? Because usually we see people really wait on quarterbacks. They, they, and I, I mean, I hate the quarterback position. I just really do. But uh, they always, because everyone's taken two and three, um, there's nothing worse when you're on the end, or on one of the ends, to get caught behind a run. I mean, you can get, get caught behind a 12, 14, uh, you know, man run on a position and just get crushed. So uh, I thought it was important to, uh, in the first eight rounds, uh, try, to, try to get a quarterback just so uh, I avoided any kind of run and get the one you kind of like. All right, Jason Kahn, High Stakes Player Extraordinaire. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today. Hey, have a great day, guys. You got it. Good stuff there, Ronas. Learning from, from a smart man. Definitely, and it's always good to start early and kind of see what the board has and uh, learn from it, see where players are valued. Absolutely. We'll learn about who to play in fantasy baseball when we come back right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, Nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. 
All right, we're back. We are full-time fantasy. That's right, full-time fantasy. We are full-time fantasy. All right, the 2019 NFL Draft is in the books, and for fantasy football players and NFL bettors, the season starts now. If you're serious about fantasy football, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season, and Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. All right, Ronis, we're talking about some fantasy baseball. Let's go through it very quickly. It is now the bottom of the eighth. The Padres up 11-2. to Ian Kinsler with a home run. Will Myers with a home run. Matt Strom leaves with no walks. Six innings, six strikeouts. Fulton Evich lets up to uh, two runs earned. So there we have it there. Anything to uh, note? Ian Kinsler, is he, is he back, Adam? I don't know if he's back, but it's certainly... Uh, key for him, you know, with some of the injuries here, you know, I think a lot of people were hoping Luis Urias would be called back up uh, with Tatis on the injury list. They didn't do that. So uh, Kinsler gets an opportunity here to play, and he really needs to get going. Uh, France wasn't doing much. He's two for four, two runs in an RBI today. And, you know, that outfield just continues to be a little bit of a pain. You know, uh, if you're a Hunter Renfro owner, you know, you know this guy put up potentially 30 35 home run but he's not getting the chance to play every day Fran Reyes has been hitting well and showing big time power he's two for five with a run Myers is going to play every day and he had his sixth home run and because Margot can play center field I mean he's kind of benefiting here I mean you'd really like to see Reyes Renfro and Myers in there but they're they don't feel Myers is good enough to play center field so it's kind of really helped Margot get playing time all right, the Astros are playing the Twins. Jose Berrios, five innings, four hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. Brad, proud, proud, proud as a peacock, Ronis, lets up seven runs. Uh, Jason Castro with a home run. I know that we were both high on peacock uh, in the, in the, before the year started, but my problem with him has always been that he can flare up like today. He's great when he's on, but when he's off, it can get a bit ugly. Is this anything to worry about? No, I think the biggest concern is, you know, how long does he keep a spot in the rotation? And you're going to look at him and Colin McHugh. And McHugh's been good. I know he had a, another shaky outing uh, yesterday. But McHugh has shown he can have success as a starter before. But when you got Whitley in the minors and Josh James, uh, you know, Peacock, McHugh, and Miley all have to be worried uh, if they have a couple bad outings that they can be replaced uh, at any point because the Astros do have good arms. And, you know, they – have seen Peacock and McHugh both excel out of the bullpen. So that's the worry you have is if you do have a long-term investment, you know, do they go back in the pen? I just think this was a bad outing. I mean, I do like Peacock. I didn't get him anywhere. Uh, the strikeout rate is a little down. That's the the one concern. But, you know, this, this is a, a good Twins lineup, man. And, you know, I thought the Twins were going to have a, a really good year, and uh, they're hitting, uh, even with some guys off to a slow start. And uh, they could get Miguel Sano back soon. He started a rehab assignment on Tuesday, they said they will keep him down there for a little while because, remember, he basically didn't have his spring training. But, yeah, I just think this was a bad start for Peacock today. That's all. All right, the Rockies are beating the Brewers 9-3 to in the top of the fourth. 
Uh, Freddie Peralta lets up six earned runs, two home runs, Arenado and, and Dahl. Man, we, we know that Freddie Peralta's got two good pitches. Is he better served in the bullpen than as a starter? It's looking like it. The problem is you see flashes from him, and you see him go out and have a dominant outing. He has really struggled in the first inning of a lot of his starts, I noticed. There was the same thing today. I was actually talking to uh, this about to a friend. Like I would like to see someone. I don't know if it's been done. I haven't seen it. But I'd like to see someone do an article and sit down with a pitcher or two that tends to have struggles in the first inning and kind of figure out why. Obviously, they don't have the solution. If they did, they wouldn't continue to struggle. But I know Steven Matz. It's a constant problem for him. He's never good in the first inning. Peralta, it's the same thing. Then he kind of settles down and gets in a groove. Now, today, uh, he has settled down a little bit, but it's not good enough. You know, he's just got a dynamic arm, but uh, too many walks, too many home runs. And, you know, I did take Peralta in the reserve round of a couple of drafts. And I think it's to the point where even in a 15-team league, it, it just might be time to cut bait. And you might regret it because maybe they stick with him in the rotation and he finally puts it together. But... We're just seeing where he, he's not consistent enough. And, uh, you know, being primarily a two-pitch pitcher as a starter, it really doesn't work in the majors. All right, Noah Syndergaard gets the complete game. Nine innings, four hits, one walk, ten big strikeouts on 104 pitches. Can't ask for anything better than that, Adam. Yeah, and, you know, he definitely was experiencing some bad work. Uh, again, I wrote about it today in the stock watch. It's on uh, the site now. and. You know, there's there's a few things. It's not all bad luck with Syndergaard. I still think he's trying to learn how to pitch. I think he just has this attitude that he can just blow the ball past hitters. And, you know, you can't. I mean, hitters are too used to 97, 98 fast, uh, mile per hour fastballs nowadays because so many guys out of the pen do it. So you're not really fooling anyone. Uh, but he didn't deserve some of the numbers he was getting. I watched almost every start and... There were so like the last start. There was at least two or three slow rollers that wound up going for hits. Uh, there was balls that were just falling in where they didn't make good contact. Now there were times people were getting good swings on them, but uh, you know the strand rate was extremely low. The strikeouts were there. The walks were uh, low, and the velocity was fine. Uh, so I think it's a combination of he was experiencing some bad luck, but I do think he still needs to learn how to be a better pitcher and mixing in pitches and not just going out there and saying, here's my fastball, go hit it, I can beat you, because that's tough to do in the major leagues. The guys are just way too used to seeing it. And he did mention that the ball was very slick, and it felt like an ice cube every time he was getting it, and everyone has talked about the ball being juiced, and maybe that's a factor. Today the weather was great. It was a 75-degree day. Maybe that helped. Maybe it helped that the Reds' offense has really been struggling. Uh, a lot of factors there, but I think we all knew that Syndergaard was not going to continue to pitch as poorly as he did. Now, uh, can he follow it up and have another good outing in his next start next week, which should be against San Diego? All right, the Rays are playing the Kansas City Royals. It's the bottom of the third, 0-0. Charlie Morton, two innings, three strikeouts against Danny Duffy. Three innings, two strikeouts. Danny Duffy has been uh, had a couple of good seasons, then he's been bad. Do you think he's somebody that you that you would take a shot on in a mixed league? No, I just uh, I worry about the health. He's had shoulder issues, and you know I kind of thought about it in a 15 team league, but I just don't. I'm worried about the health. Uh, you know, last year he had control issues, home runs, and he's really only had. I mean, he's had one, two solid years, but it's the Royals too. Not going to get a lot of offensive run support, so 
Uh, I, at, to this point, I'm, I'm really not interested even in a 15-team league. All right, let's take a look at uh, the one later afternoon game, the two night games, Adam. Uh, the Cardinals against the Nationals, Dakota Hudson against Steven Strasburg. Uh, I worry about Hudson. I don't think he's a bad pitcher per se, but I think this guy is more of a middle reliever than anything. He pitches to a lot of contact. I think the Nationals should win a lot today. This is a nine run over and under. Yeah, I'm not a fan of to go to Hudson at all. I just don't understand why everyone was getting excited about him in the spring. He's not a good pitcher. I mean, he still has issues with walks. He's not a big strikeout guy. I mean, he, he relies on, on ground balls, and, you know, I just think you, you can't get away with the strikeout rate as low as it is in today's game where so many people are striking out. How do you have a 16.4% strikeout rate when everyone is either a home run or strikeout nowadays? I just don't think he's any good. Uh, I'm surprised, like, people were excited about him. Uh, I, I just don't think he's good. All right, Boston against the White Sox. David Price against Lucas Giolito. Here's another guy. Lucas Giolito, this great player. He's been terrible, Adam. Terrible. Who? Giolito. Uh, he was looking pretty good his last start. I'm intrigued. Uh, I want to see. I mean, Boston's a tough matchup, obviously. they have Yeah, but been... my point originally, though, was that Giolito was like one of the top-rated minor leaguers that they had, and he's never fulfilled expectations. That was my bigger point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So far, he hasn't. He came up with the Nationals, and obviously, they traded him to Chicago. And, yeah, he's done nothing. He showed a little bit of flash this year. In fact, the outing where he injured his hamstring, his last Saturday, I think it was like two and two-thirds. He had like five strikeouts, didn't allow a hit. And I was like, okay, let me see what he can do. Uh, I did pick him up in a 15-team league where my team is just battered by injuries. I don't think he's in the lineup this week. No, he's not, because originally... It looked like he might have a two-start week, and then they didn't confirm that he was coming back, so just put him on the bench. But, uh, you know, this year the strikeout rate is way up. Uh, the walks are still too high. Uh, so I think, you know, he's a guy that I'm watching and interested to see what he can do. Uh, it, you know, it is a tough matchup today, but there have been some signs. He's been throwing more strikes. He's been getting more swings and misses. Again, we're only dealing with a, a small sample here, but I am intrigued to see what he can do because he does have that high prospect pedigree. And, you know, maybe he's starting to figure some things out. Well, I, I, you know, everybody always tells you when they're right in this industry. Very few people tell you when they're wrong. I, I was wrong about David Price. I didn't think he was going to have a very good year this year. I was absolutely wrong. He's looked pretty darn good thus far, Adam. He's been their best starter so far. I mean, he's been uh, really key for them. Uh, he definitely has looked good. Uh, I don't have him in any leagues. Uh, not that I didn't want him. He just wasn't a target in that range. I was kind of taking other pitchers. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, for the last couple of years, I think people have been writing off Price, and, you know, he was really good last year. I mean, he had a 3.58 ERA last year, 3.38 the year before, and even today, 3.60 in today's game. I mean, you will absolutely take that in a heartbeat. So I guess the, you're always worried about him holding up long term, but uh, right now he's been pitching well. All right, and then finally, the late game, and maybe Ronald will be staying up for this one, the Toronto Blue Jays against the Los Angeles Angels, Aron Sanchez against Tyler Skaggs. Both, I mean, look, I really was an Aaron Sanchez fan. I was. He's starting to show that what he's, his skill set, and Skaggs has been good. He's just been injured. I think it's a pretty good matchup here. Yeah, Sanchez, the numbers are good, but there's still way too many walks. Now, when you watch him pitch, there's a lot of movement on his pitches, and he's been fortunate to escape so far. But, I mean, you just can't continue. And I have Sanchez in a few leagues. I mean, 15-team leagues where I'm running him out there. Uh, but 15.3% walk rate, you just cannot continue to get away with that at the big league level. 
The strikeout rate's 20.6%. You'd like to see that higher, especially with his stuff. Uh, but I, I'm a little worried about him because he's not going to continue to have a 2-3-2 two, two ERA. I'm just amazed that he's been able to get out of jam after jam. You know, I'll, I'll be following his line, and I'll see four walks in the third inning, and I'm like, what the hell? And he'll manage a way to get out of it because he does have such good stuff. So if this guy can just really cut down on the walks and just, you know, put allow hitters to, to make mistakes, he could be good, but... Uh, he just he doesn't get enough swings and misses, and he doesn't throw enough strikes. So uh, I'm a little concerned long-term for him because that walk rate is just way too high. All right, let's turn our attention now, Adam, to uh, a little basketball here. We're in the playoffs. Let's take a quick look at these teams. Celtics, Milwaukee, Danny Ainge had a mild heart attack today. I don't know if you saw that. Um, 60 years old, but he, he should be okay. Are the Celtics going to win this one, this series? Do you think at the end of the day they're the better team? Uh, I think it's close. I still think Milwaukee wins. Uh, I think they really needed that punch in the face in game one. They weren't tested in the first round, and they really woke up in game two. It was competitive for a half, but then the Bucks just went off. So uh, I just think the Celtics do a really good job of defending Giannis. They're one of the few teams who are able to do it, uh, but we saw him really step up in a game that was needed. But I think this is going to be a long series. Boston obviously has the playoff experience. Kyrie Irving in a big game, uh, but I still think the Bucks win this series. All right, the Raptors, Sixers. I think that you know it, go, it goes as Kawhi Leonard goes. Um, can the Raptors go on the road and win a couple of games here? Definitely. I cannot believe Philly won game two. They were absolutely pathetic. They got nothing from Embiid, nothing from Simmons, nothing from Harris. It was Jimmy Butler carrying them, and James Enos was their second-highest scorer. Toronto just was awful. They couldn't shoot the ball at all, and they made a comeback and almost came back. Uh, I think Toronto still wins this series in their favor tonight by a point and a half. All right, I watched a little bit of the Nuggets Trailblazers. I thought that game was very physical last night, very physical. Um, the series is even up now. Uh, do you think what happens when they go to Portland? Uh, Portland always plays well at home, and the Nuggets have been awful on the road this year. So uh, I think you have to keep an eye on some injuries. It looks like Murray's uh, thigh was uh, bothering him. I know he finished the game, and they made a run. Man, the Blazers could not get a rebound. I felt like every single rebound was going to Denver. I mean, they if they had some more time, they might have come back and won this game. They just missed so many shots. They had uh, a couple of threes down the stretch where if they went in, you were looking at a, a monumental comeback. But they shot 34.7% from the field last night. On the boards, uh, I see it was 58-47. It felt like 80-20. to 20. I mean, that's how bad it was. Maybe I'm just looking at the fourth quarter, and it just seemed like they were getting every rebound. I know I told you that I thought the Blazers could, could win the Western Conference. I may have to look at that again because I watched them last night. There is nobody who's stopping Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is on another planet, dude. Well, they can't even is- stop Jokic. I know. Look, I like the Blazers, and I think that the Blazers are a good team, and I think that they're an underappreciated team. I think Damian Lillard is a fantastic player. But Kevin Durant is seven feet. He's got a wingspan of like 400 feet, and he shoots over people. There's nobody. If you're too tall, he goes around you, and if you're short, he goes over you. Tell me the player out there who can stop him. Yeah, no, when he's on his game, no one can. Uh, But they have to obviously focus on Denver right now. Harkless got banged up in this game, and he left. Uh, he's been a pretty good defender, so that hurts them. Canther's not 100%. So I think on both sides, you know, you're worried about some injuries. But, you know, Denver has more depth. You know, Gary Harris is a guy who has struggled this year. It looks like he's finally starting to play. Will Barton's a really good player who only played 17 minutes yesterday. 
so I think Denver has more depth than uh, Portland. But, you know, this is a series I could see going either way. But I did have the under 219.5, and this is just a lesson for gambling, man. I saw so many people on the over in ga- for this game, and it was, it, was a fo- it was a fool's. It was a trap, man, because in game one, the pace was so high. Everyone was hitting shots, and people will go, oh, it's going to go over again. There's no way they were going to shoot as good as they did in game one. So I thought the under in this game was easy. That happens a lot, I, though. With I gave it away, and I said it on the show yesterday. I actually, I gave. I've been I told you I've been tracking my picks for ten weeks, uh, and I gave out two picks on uh, Tuesday show and, and one yesterday, and three and zero. Do you remember when I told you Texas Tech and Michigan State was going to be way, way, way under? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the game against Virginia, I knew it was going to be over. And then, but everybody was betting under because, like, oh, I just saw the game. They're, they're, they're not going to score. You can't think that way. Just because what happens on Monday doesn't mean it happens the same way on Tuesday. No, and plus the telltale times, too, is when you saw the Vegas line, it barely moved from game one. What are they telling you there? I mean, if, if they thought it was going to be over, it, the line would have jumped two, three points. The total basically stayed the same. So I was on the under last night, and obviously it went way under at 187. It was 219 and a half. Yeah, that's a little high. All right, quickly here. Warriors against the Rockets. Warriors just win one in Houston. Possible? Yeah, I think the Rockets win game three. To me, game one was the one the Rockets had to steal. Golden State did not play well. Curry wasn't great. Thompson wasn't great. And even in game two, they really didn't get huge games. So uh, Houston has just got to shoot the ball better. That's the problem. And they almost came back in that game. They had Harden out for an extended period of time, and they stayed in it. Uh, so I think Houston takes game three. They obviously have to win two games in Houston to keep this series alive. All right, who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? Uh, we'll have Sean Childs. He's going to join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. All right, nice. Looking forward to that. Okay, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well, take care. Stay tuned for hour number two of Full-Time Fantasy. That's right, we'll Full-Time Fantasy. Check us out at fulltimefantasy.com. All right, we're back with you right after this. <laughs> 